Hey, this is Taylor Elder. Thank you for tuning in to Working and Living While Black, a show that explores life as a black woman in the workplace. You can catch the show every week right here. All right, hello. Um, welcome back to Working and Living While Black. Uh, I'm so excited to have my friend on today, Hannah Justice. Am I allowed to say your last name? Is that okay? <laughs> Yeah, I mean... Well, it's too late now. (laughs) (laughs) So I've known Hannah throughout college, um, I think my sophomore year in your... Or your sophomore year, my junior year, I don't know. My freshman year. Yeah, we've known each other for a little while now, but Hannah just graduated and I thought it'd be great to have her on the show um, just to talk about her experience navigating, you know, post-graduation and entering in the workplace. Um, How has that been for you, Hannah? Well, finding a job was pretty easy. Um, Took back up my student job full time. Um, So not much to complain about there, thankfully. Um, And adjusting to working from home, I'm sure everyone's been struggling with that. Although it has been nice to not have to actually feel put together to go to work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not have to worry about doing my hair because that takes a minimum of an hour. So... No, I definitely feel that. I've had to start going back into work now. And so it used to just kind of be like a fun and it just work out. And now it's like, oh crap, I have to brush my hair. And like, I can't just use Zoom filters and backgrounds (laughs) to cut off. I mean, if I didn't have a Zoom call, I'd still have my sleep bonnet on. And then as soon as I had a Zoom call, it was quickly trying to uh, wrap my hair, like in a cute wrap real quick. Definitely been there. Um, So you've worked, at the university and then you were hired on as a full-time staff after you graduated right yes yes um how how was that like going from a student worker to a um full-time worker did you find any like advantages to that or not quite yet so they're doing my full-time training in weird stages so stage one of training is exactly what i did as a student worker i have access to one more site now (laughs) um so um i have noticed that there is some some leniencies where there wasn't when i was a student worker but also there's some more stricter rules in areas where there wasn't when i was a student worker so it's trying to navigate where the leniencies are now versus where they aren't anymore Mm mm-hmm that definitely makes sense. I feel like I I didn't have that experience because I didn't join on to a group that I had previously worked with um, as a student, but I'm always like kind of jealous of you. I'm like, crap, she like found a good <laughs> college job um, and it actually worked out for you in the end. So that's really exciting. Um, what do you feel like you were prepared for transitioning to a full-time position or just even being in the workplace as a full-time adult, I guess. I think so. Um, the student position is set up to kind of get you in that feel of what a professional situation feels like. Um, the only thing was we were allowed to wear t-shirts where the full-time wasn't, you know, pre-COVID. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I was working close to full-time hours anyways as a student. I was working 38 hours and of course full-time is 40. Um, so yeah, I kind of like, I already knew the professional expectations in my workplace. I just tacked on two extra hours and got a longer lunch. Um, yeah, that, that lunch and better pay really in benefits. I'm like, oh, can I get all three of those, please? Oh, 
the benefits are great. I kind of wish they weren't coming out of my paycheck, but the benefits are great. Yeah, I um, I just remember this does not relate to this at all, but I remember um, when I was doing the health benefits and it was talking about life insurance. And oh gosh, I yes. think it said like, okay, dismemberment or something like that, like an arm <laughs> or so. And I was like, oh, $10,000 seems fine. And I looked and tried to press enter and they're like 30,000 the minimum. And I was like, oh crap, okay. <laughs> so I guess I didn't find value in my personal life, but um, those really do help along the way. Uh, do you feel like you there were any like unwritten expectations for you being like a black woman coming into the workplace? And that's not even specifically with your job, but just as a black woman who is entering into the workplace, do you feel like there were these unwritten expectations that you had that other people might not have? I think a lot of it has to do with looks when it comes to expectations of my workplace. Um, So our department's dress code has not been updated since 2009. Um, It is very almost close to the conservative uh, Pentecostal um, dress code. When you come to think of it where it's like, you know, your hair has to be kind of slicked back or like, you know, laid down and proper, only one set of piercings. Um, You can wear a max of two rings. It has on there no bold colors in your hair, no visible tattoos. Um, There was something weird about pants I remember in there as well. Yeah. But um, I'm someone I love bright colors. I love interesting patterns. So, and I, I feel like I express myself through my clothes. Mm-hmm. So I felt like there's, you know, as a black person, they, uh, people expect clothes sometimes to be more streetwear if they're going to be bolder like that, which isn't professional. Mm-hmm. But from like my mom and my um, aunts, I've seen where you can be like bright and bold, but still professional. So trying to find a way to do that. Um, but also too, there's always the hair. Um, my supervisor, when I was a student worker, was black, so sometimes she'd be on me more than anyone else in the office about how my hair looked. And like you know, sometimes as a student worker come in, you're dead tired. You've pulled an all nighter. They came to the class, then going to work, and my hair is probably sticking out in places. So I sit down and I'm just like ready to work on my computer, and she walked by and be like, "Have you looked in the mirror recently?" Like, yeah, uh, I I feel like I look put together compared to last night when I was yeah kind of more put together my laptop she's like you did you comb your hair I'm like yes it's just does it it's just the humidity humidity it's always the cop out humidity no I definitely can relate to that I think there's one thing that I remember my grandma saying when I was younger and it would always be like grease your hair before you leave the house or like brush your hair. And it was weird because yes, when I was younger, I'm sure my hair looked bad sometimes, but even today, like I'll have my, I'll go and brush my hair. I'll be at work. And then I'll like, oh my gosh, my hair is like a little bit frizzy today. Or, oh my gosh, my hair is somewhat curly. It's not sticking down the way that it's supposed to quote unquote. Um, and so I feel like there's that expectation of, I have to look almost I almost have to look like white and like not in a bad way, but like there's those standards that you have. And it's like, that's going back to that 2009, you're talking about things have changed a lot and what that even looks like in the workplace and also just in personal life. Yeah. And like, I wear my hair natural, have all throughout college. So it's more of like, does my, do my curls look like those picture perfect model, like halo curls 
versus like do they look frizzy I guess mm-hmm. and like I woke up with bedhead which my one supervisor would always feel like it looked more like bedhead which every time she pointed out I just hear my mom talking to me in the back of my head and <laughs> <laughs> but I had another co- co-worker she's an older um, white lady and she loved the versatility in my hair so anytime I came in with something different um, whether it be like I braided my hair, uh, it was in a high puff, low puff. I did a bun. Um, when I got my goddess locks, she was always trying to see me every day. Like, hey, Hannah, what you do? And like, she was very interested to see the different ways I did my hair. And to her, like, no matter what I did, it always looked good. That's like really, it's like good to hear. Cause I feel like you don't hear that as often. Like, I feel like a lot of people, there's like this association, like, especially like locks or something like that, where it's like, oh, that's unprofessional. But it's like exciting to hear that other people are like, oh, I'm celebrating those different styles that you have. Um, Do you feel like there's a certain hairstyle that's more accepted than others that you've tried in the workplace? Um, I know when I like kind of pineapple my hair, what is a pineapple your hair for individuals who <laughs> oh, don't gosh. know? <laughs> it's like kind of when you try to do a high puff, but like my hair isn't stiff enough to stay poofy. So it just kind of like lays down in a weird ponytail looking thing. I, if I could draw a picture. Yeah. Imagine like you attempted to do a, um, a high puff at the top of your hair and then your hair went limp. Okay. All right. The, the pineapple. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Google might help you. <laughs> but yeah, that would just sometimes look like to, um, to my one supervisor that I rolled out of the bed. Um, and well, hair um, wrapping my hair when I was a student worker was a big no-no, uh, which I was always confused with. There was an older black lady who worked um, in my office who recently retired, who she always wore, um, either wrapped her hair or, or she wore those. They're the hats that you always see like, old black ladies wearing in church but like not the ones with the big rims like they're just like a fitted bucket cap okay i kind of know what you're talking about okay yeah she always wore those um and she had a special like leopard print kind of looking beanie she wore Hmm. but you know i love wearing head wraps i feel like um sometimes i look more sophisticated with it just because my hair is out the way and i feel like my hair is frizzy that day um it keeps my hair up my face and like gives it a break so i'm not breaking out as much um and like you can wrap your hair in such beautiful and different ways, um, but to my old supervisor, it seemed like when um, it's to her it was the equivalent of being your sleep bonnet. Oh, like to okay. me, it looks so different. Like how I wrap my hair to go to sleep is much different than how I wrap my hair to be out and about. Mm-hmm. But she also has more old school mindset, where um, you if you're going to have your hair. Um, Nothing on your head unless it's for religious purposes, basically. I feel like I, you mentioned old school mindset. I do feel like there is this transition from what professional looks like to different individuals. And it's weird because I feel like that's a intercultural conversation as well as a cross-cultural conversation. So when we're talking about like you're talking about your manager who is also black and her views on it, but then there's also the individuals who feel, okay, I can wear a head wrap. I can wear my hair in curly styles. It should be protected. Um, I shouldn't have to feel weird about going to work and doing this. And then there's also individuals who aren't black who aren't, you know, don't have the same understanding 
and their view on that conversation as well. And I just think it's a weird triangle, I guess that would be the shape. Yeah. I think like within my office, it feels weird to say this, but the younger white demographic doesn't really care. Like as long as I don't have, like look like I crawled out of the gutter, we're doing great, especially with COVID. <laughs> but when it comes to like my old supervisor, I think it's still more that we need to make sure we we're excelling because the bar is higher for us. We can't mm-hmm. look less than what we are. Um, yeah, but like there's two other black girls in my um that work in my office and I mean they wear their hairs in box braids sometimes and there's nothing ever with that. The only time I ever hear something talked about with their hair is like if one of them calls off to go get their hair braided and it's like you're really using sick time to go get your hair braided. Like why didn't you use vacation time or like couldn't you do this on the weekend? Yeah. Especially during like busy season, but other yeah. than that <laughs> I'm like, yeah, maybe that one isn't the best. Like, you can't be just calling yourself sick. I gotta get the box braids today. Um, but no, I do. I can definitely see what you're saying with that. And the idea that the bar does have to be higher. Like, you do have to go in. And I feel like there's still this belief that you have to dress your absolute best. Or you have to make sure that you're more professional than the other individual. Um I feel really dumb sometimes because I'll say the wrong word or I won't speak properly on accident. And I'm like, oh crap, these people are going to like judge me now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to affect me long-term. Do you ever feel that way? No, because everyone in the office knows I have a tendency just to forget words in the middle of sentences. <laughs> and I stutter. I will throw in another language by accident while talking. So it's just kind of like they expect and it's just like Hannah's today a rough day like are, is your brain on pause I'm like yeah brain's on pause today we, we on pause. <laughs> maybe that's what I the mindset I should go and I'm like listen guys it's just a real rough day today um don't judge me <laughs> yeah I think it's just more of a matter of sometimes when I'm taking calls or when I get feedback especially when I notice I'm talking to someone my same age or I realize I'm talking to another black person I use a lot more slang than the using we're not like when we're talking on the phone we're not supposed to use like contractions like can't won't don't mm-hmm. it has to be you know full word or, like full, the full word and um well not saying um we have to say yes instead of yeah um but I'll start talking like saying y'all and just other things like I don't know it just naturally comes out when I'm like in the moment versus I feel like when I realize I'm talking to someone who's not of color on the phone I am very like white voice comes out yeah, there's that term that it's code switching, I think is the term for it, where it's you kind of assimilate to the population around you um, to fit in better. And I am definitely guilty of code switching on a regular basis. <laughs> I think it helps too, like uh, helps on the fact when I'm on phones, just because with, I know sometimes when um, black callers you know, call us, and especially when they've called multiple times, and it's just like, I have to deal with another white person doesn't understand what's going on. It's like they hear they're talking to another person from mm-hmm. their, more or less their in-group. They're like, maybe this person's going to help me. You know, they may understand what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. I never thought of it that way. And 
I guess that does make sense, you know, having that connection between your own culture. I do know, like, sometimes I've always felt like I've been in the middle. Um, I it would, I guess I'm technically considered light-skinned. So, like, I feel like I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, and I never really fit in with those individuals. But then when I would go into a Black neighborhood, I also just didn't fit into the with those individuals. <laughs> but there is something of being able to connect in certain ways, whether that be, you know just not having to have that mask up um, in, front of pers- uh, in front of another person. And you can still do that professionally as well. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So you mentioned that your boss is Black, which is um, one thing that I've actually never experienced. I've never had a Black boss, and I also never had an individual who was um, a professor or a teacher who was Black in my life until college. So how is that having someone who, you know, you can connect with on that level in a work setting? Yeah. um, She's no longer my supervisor now, so it seems weird because, like, we're now co-workers and trying to figure out that relationship. But, like, when she was my supervisor, it definitely felt like I had an older sister Mm. um, in the office. Uh, having a rough day, I, I her and be like, hey, can I come down to your office real quick? Because her office is on the first floor, mine's on the top floor. So I'd run down and be like, look. Um, and we just have a heart to heart. She'd be real with me and she'd, she'd shut the door and if she needed to, she'd cuss me out. If I was just, if I was, if I was just being overdramatic about something, she'd be like, listen here and just go off on me. And she's like, but we never had this conversation. I'm like, I got it. <laughs> she's like, unofficially, this is... <laughs> How I feel about this. Yeah, it's not like cussing me out like in a demeaning way. It's just like, listen here, bitch. Like, you effed up. And it's like, I know I did. Thank you. I need to be reaffirmed that I messed But also, too, like, if um, I just needed a pick-me-up, her favorite thing to do was test my black card. Oh, okay. What is yeah. this? So, um. Because, like, she feels like I should have a better black card because my mom is black, but still growing up predominantly around my, like, white family until middle school, high school. She's, like, always trying to feel, like, where where does my blackness lie? So it's, like, well, have you heard, like, seen this, this, and this black movie? And I'd be, like, heard of that one, haven't seen that one. I didn't know that one exists. And she'd be, like, you haven't heard, seen this quintessential black movie? I'm, like, well, I didn't know it existed until five seconds ago, so no. Or um, playing certain songs. It was like, okay, who sang this? I'm like, oh, my mom played in the house. I suck at knowing who did that. Um, but then I purposely get it back at her um, sometimes. Like, oh, you didn't know this black thing? And you're a true black person? That's funny. No, I do feel like there is like <laughs> there is kind of like this do I know the important black things? Even though, honestly, it's more of a joke, I feel, in any of those conversations. But it is always really funny to have that of like, okay, does this person... I feel like there's like this that relationship part. And it's not yeah. even anything like important. It's not like, oh, I'm going to take your black card. But it's just like that bonding piece. Um, do you feel like there is representation within your organization on, high, on even a higher level from, you know, your direct supervisor? Not really. So, like, probably on one, maybe two hands, I can count 
No, in one hand, I can count all the diversity of just the full-time staff. If I add in the student workers in my office, I can use both hands <laughs> when it comes to diversity. Um, but then when it comes to, like, my direct super, um, supervisor is white. Her direct supervisor is white. Direct supervisor above him is white. And then we get to, like, the bigger, like, board of above our office and it's predominant it's based all white all the way up there's like i think one black lady but she's like detached from our office but she's still in the higher mm-hmm. thing um but i believe there's a statistic that came out in like one of our staff emails recently but i think maybe five to ten percent of um higher up staff in the university is of diverse backgrounds and that's why there's an initiative to hire i think either by the end of this physical year or the end of next academic year to hire um 150 um people of diverse backgrounds into um um what are they called positions of not positions of power but like in um the administrative positions That's a, that's such a low number to think of, and I'm not going to, we don't have to talk about this specific school, but to know that that school is a really large school, it's so surprising to have such a small number representing individuals of color. Yeah, and their push is not to have it just professors, because right now a lot of the diversity is within the lecture and professor realm. So I am glad they're not like, oh yeah, we're doing 150 new um, like people of diversity and they put them all in the professors, but yet those who are making the decisions in the university aren't there to reflect their student body. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a big issue in organizations across the board, whether it be, um, you know, private, nonprofit, whatever it is. I have, I have more of a background in the nonprofit sector and I've even noticed that with, well, We'll have a mission to, you know, focus on improving individuals' lives, whatever it is. But then the individuals making the decisions are predominantly white men. And then you'll have a few white women. And that's considered the the diversity, which is a really weird thing for me of saying, okay, but like there's cultural diversity. There's other types of that we don't even talk about. But mm-hmm. why are these individuals, these select individuals, making the decisions for people who they don't even know? They don't even know their experiences. Um, so I always think that's really interesting that a lot of organizations struggle with things like this. Yeah, and I know, like, with my university, like, our new president is the first to cut, first to represent um, diversity in their areas. So first female president university's ever had and first LBGTQ president, well, known LBGTQ president. So there are strides toward it, but still, but also like recently I found out, was it 68% of our student body is white. The rest is like people of other cultures and backgrounds. And of that only, I think maybe... I forget it was three or eight percent. I know that makes a big difference, but the two numbers look the same in my head. But there was a big thing where we got in our newsletters was like, oh, we've had a recent uptick in um black students enrolling in school. I'm like, that's great. And so when I saw the statistics, like, oh, we're at this percent of these students being black, I'm like, that's 
<laughs> Wait we're a not minute. even the double digits. We're, <laughs> what do you mean? It's like I have to like have a little micro, a magnifying glass to see the fine print of like, oh, that's a really small number. Right. Like if we hit double digits, I'm like, okay, like progress. But I'm like, we went from like one to two, basically, like a bigger jump than that, but still. I feel like in me being, you know, black, going to the same school that you went to, I did have a hard time seeing other individuals who are black. Um, And I think that's been a struggle all my life, going to a predominantly white school. I could count the number of black students on maybe both hands. And like, I'd only have to borrow like two or three fingers from my left (laughs) hand. Um, But then also being in the workplace, I, in my even most recent role, I've noticed a lot more black women and I'm always like, okay, like where was this the past three years, three or four years? Like, why is this such a small number? Yeah. In places I've worked, if there have been people of color, especially like black people, they've all been women. I think I could count on my hand at the, uh, my university where I've encountered a staff who was a black male. Like I could multiple times over count black women I've encountered as staff, mm. but black men, I can maybe count on one hand. Yeah. I think that I've heard like statistics of like black men not being represented. And I think the thing too, with this conversation, you know, I'm focusing a lot on black women, but that's another conversation that needs to be um, had as well about black men um, and the different intersections that they have to work with uh, within just life or working as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what is one hope that you have for increasing, you know, people's understanding of being black in the workplace? increasing diversity and inclusion what is your hope and goal for that Hmm. I think some of it starts with the the appearance expectations I mean if you have the um, uh, (laughs) appearance (laughs) expectations so high for black people coming in there could be a great can in front of you, but you know, to them, to you, their hair isn't professional enough. So it's like, do you think they're actually going to be a professional worker or, you know, they come in clothes that you feel like aren't professional enough. Like they look good, but it's not professional enough. So Mm -hmm. are they actually going to be a professional person? And I feel like that can start to open the door to having more opportunities to have people um, come to work. But at the same time too, like knowing the questions I was asked in my interview, I like I got asked like what does diversity mean to me and everyone in my interview panel all five people were white wow. and it was just I, I kind of said in a very snarky way and thankfully I had someone who went back and kind of re-explained it in a more professional way <laughs> um thankful that I got a job where people kind of already know me but where it was like you know it feels awkward that you're asking me what does diversity mean when you guys are all straight straight white people and it's like, if one of you were or at least maybe LGBTQ, I can feel like there's some diversity within the group asking me, mm-hmm. but there was none of that. So it's like, you can't ask me what diversity is, means to me when this panel itself isn't diverse. Yeah. And I and think, I feel, sorry, go ahead. 
I was going to say, I feel like that also needs to be looked at too when, because I feel like a lot of pl- um, places ask us now, especially with the um, affirmative action, um, you know, it's like the required thing. But if the people asking you aren't diverse, it makes those who are diverse kind of feel a bit off. Or at least in my experience, I felt pretty off about it. I feel like it's almost, and this sounds bad, not saying that, not saying um, that part, but I feel like sometimes when it's not a diverse individual who is in the power, it almost feels like a handout at that point of, oh, okay, well, we're going to now tick off this little box to say that we are now hiring and we are now a part of the diversity hires, you know, like, I feel like it is a tick-off, um, which is really frustrating when you are a qualified candidate, when you, there's a whole study on individuals' names, and if you do not sound like you have a white name, then you are less likely to be invited to an interview or be hired. And, like, those types of things where, yes, that makes sense, but who are the individuals hiring? If we have a diverse group, then maybe we might have a better chance of hiring those individuals and having more of a diverse workplace. But it seems like the people in power are the ones who are making sure that we meet our diversity numbers simply out of obligation. Right. Um, Is there any last remarks that you would like to add to our conversation? can't think of anything <laughs> i was like asking like okay so what's your and i was like oh uh i have to come up to something on my own um <laughs> <laughs> no that's fine i love putting people on the spot so i do appreciate that you're my friend and i can do that without it being super awkward <laughs> i'm like i can sing for you <laughs> um we would love to hear that oh, um <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for joining me today. I'm excited um, for people to hear this and uh, just to learn more about, you know, the experiences of going into the workplace as a Black woman. Um, And thank you also for listening. Uh, I will be posting this uh, in the next week uh, or so, Um, but be sure to come back and listen to more. Um, I plan on having someone talking about diversity and inclusion in the next few weeks. So I'm excited to that this will this conversation will continue. Uh, but thanks and have a great day.